0: Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. So if you'd like to open your pew Bibles to page 632, this morning we'll be um, hearing Psalm 147. So that's page... 632 of your pew Bibles. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty is his power. His understanding has no limits. The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise, but cast the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the skies with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Exalt the Lord Jerusalem. Praise your God Zion. He strengthens the bar of your gates and blesses your people within you. He grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest wheat. He sends his commands to the earth. His His words run swiftly. He spreads the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. He hurls down hail like pebbles. Who can withstand his icy blast? He sends his word and melts them. He stirs up his breezes and the water flows. He has revealed his word to Jacob. His laws decrees to Israel. He has done this for no other nation. They do not know his laws. Praise the Lord. This is the word of God.
1: Thanks be to God. All right, as we come to hearing God's word preach. let's uh, pray. Lord, would you open the eyes of our heart to hear what you have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, imagine you're driving down a road somewhere in rural Victoria, you're on your way to a meeting somewhere a few hours out of Melbourne, right? And so you're driving down the road, and, and as you're driving down, and you're getting close to the, the town where you're gonna have your meeting, and you see a car pulled over on the side of the road, and as you get closer, you see this car's actually being pushed along. And uh, so you stop, and you, you're a Ridley student after all, and so you're a helpful sort of a person, and so you, you stop and you ask them, is, is this, can I help? And they say, we've run out of petrol. Like, oh, not a problem, hop in. You take them into town, get them their petrol and drive them back and uh, they put the petrol in their car. You wish them a good day and off you go to your meeting. You have your meeting, however long it goes for. And then you're uh, driving back down to Melbourne. You've just left town and lo and behold, that same car is still on the side of the road, still being pushed along. So you stop, you you know, you're still a Ridley student after all. And (laughs) and you ask them, like, is there anything else I can help with? And they're like, no, you helped us get petrol before, we're really grateful. Um, And they're like, actually, the car works quite fine. And they they switch on the engine and drive it a few metres down the road just to show you, actually, the car works fine. And then they say, we just love pushing the car ourselves. And, and sh- like surely you'd sit there and go, what a bunch of fools. And, and you, as you continue, you hop back in your car and, and drive back home to Melbourne. Now, how often are we fools like those people when it comes to ministry? How often do we do things in our own strength? How often do I do something in my strength instead of in the strength of God? Right, this In Psalm 147, we read about the strength of God. In verses 4 and 5, he determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Like if you tell me your name, just before I met the chapel team, Guaranteed I've forgotten most of their names already, right? And God knows the names of every single star you see in the sky. Um, Verse 5, great is the Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. That strength of God. Why? It's, It's foolish to do it in my own strength. And not only that, God doesn't like it when I do something in my own strength. Verse 10, and this is the verse where we'll spend uh, the sermon today, verse 10, his pleasure is not in the strength of the horse nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. God actually doesn't like it when I depend on my own strength. To paraphrase verse 10 to a Ridley context, it would say, his pleasure is not in your Ridley grades nor his delight in your You Butte whiz-bang ministry strategy. So what does it mean to do something in God's strength? What does that look like? I, I actually don't think that's a new idea for Ridley students, that I have to do things in God's strength and not my own strength. But what does it look like? How do I do today in God's strength and not my own strength? Well, to do something in God's strength, you have to be an aptat Christian. That's right, an <laughs> aptat Christian. Now, this word will score you zero on Scrabble because all your Scrabble buddies will argue that it's not a real word and it's true. It isn't a word. You won't get away with using it in Scrabble. But because it's not a word, you're guaranteed to remember it. In fact, you're going to be sitting there in your Greek exam in November and you're going to be struggling to remember some Greek verb. But you will remember aptat, so you're guaranteed to remember this word. What does it stand for? Admit, pray, trust, act, and thank. So how do I do things in God's strength and not my strength? It's by being an aptat Christian. So first of all, I do. I, I, first of all, I have to admit that I can't, but God can. I have to admit that my ability is so, so limited. I don't know the stars by name. My understanding has a limit compared to God's, which has no limit. That's where we need to start every single day. Wake up and say, God, I can't do today, but you can. This is the attitude. Without God in this Whatever this is, my essay, my ministry strategy, my exam study, without God in it, it is nothing. This is uh, what the psalmist says in Psalm 127, uh, written by Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Unless the Lord. Jesus himself says this, John 15, when he says... Apart from me, you can do nothing. Admit it. Say to God, God, without you, my essay is a waste of time. My exam study is a waste of time. My planning for church this Sunday is a waste of time. Admit to God, God, I can't, but you can. That's where it starts. And if you admit that to God, it naturally leads to prayer. Uh, imagine a, a small child trying to, to do something um, and they can't do it. They, they get frustrated with it. They ask their parents to help, admitting, I can't, but God can, naturally leads to saying, God, please help me, naturally leads to prayer. Prayer is many things, but one of the things it is, is to say, God, I can't, but you can and then the third one is to trust God, because God is trustworthy. The Bible is full of promises. I know someone's counted them, so you can Google out how many promises there are in the Bible. Every single promise, if it hasn't already come true, will come true. Why? Because God made it. We can trust in God. So grab hold of his promises and trust in them. As you admit, God, I can't, but you can, you can grab hold of a promise that gives you that assurance that God can, even though I can't. And then the third step, the fourth step, sorry, is to act. So admit that you can't do it. Pray to ask for God's help. Trust in his promises and then act. See, all of this, it doesn't give us an excuse for laziness. You don't wake up in the morning, well, God, I can't, but you can and then go and watch Netflix all day. That's not what the Bible teaches. Proverbs is full of sayings arguing against laziness and telling us we need to work hard. Um, When Jesus told the parable of the talents, the guy who had five talents made five more. He would have worked hard to do that. The guy who had two made two more. He would have worked hard to do that. The one who had one and did no work at all, he got a telling off in the parable. This is not an excuse for laziness. So I started by saying, uh, we could paraphrase this by saying, God's pleasure is not in your Ridley grades. Well, his pleasure might not be in your Ridley grades, but you have to work as hard as you can to get the best grades you can. And his delight is not in your U butte ministry strategy, but you should use all the skills God has given you to write the best strategy that you can. It's not an excuse for laziness paul captures this wonderfully in 1 corinthians chapter 15 at verse 10 where he says but by the grace of god i am what i am and his grace to me was not without effect and then he goes on to say no i worked harder than all of them yet not i but the grace of god that was with me we act we work as hard as we can, using the God-given skills, abilities and talents that he has given us, we work hard. And finally, we thank. You see, if, if we started by saying, God, I can't, but you can, and then pray to him for help and entrusted in God and his promises, yes, we've acted, but who deserves all the praise because who's actually doing all the work? It's God. And so we finish by thanking God Because that's the right response. If you don't thank God, you've you've missed out. You've robbed God of something that belongs to him. So what does this look like in a very practical example? Uh, George Verwa founded OM. um, He's recently gone to be with the Lord. Um, This is a short paragraph from one of his books. It's written before the time of emails. Um, I'm not actually sure what year, but emails didn't exist back when this was written. There are times when I have a hundred letters on my desk, many of them about problems. Where should evangelism teams go? Where is the money to support them? How should we find the vehicles to move teams and literature to their destination? I have learned from 1 Peter 5 verse 7 what to do with them. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Sometimes... I can say, Lord, those letters, those telegrams are all yours. I am going to bed. <laughs> that is someone living apt Now, you might say, Chris, he wasn't acting much there. He went to bed. And yet if you think about it, going to sleep as opposed to pulling an all-nighter is saying, God, I can't. These problems are too big for me. I can't do anything about them, but I know you can. God never slumbers. He never sleeps. The problems aren't too big for him. I also know from the rest of George's life, he certainly did act. We know that. So there's a very practical example of someone being an Aptat Christian. Now, this week is Global Mission Week. And you might be sitting there thinking, that's that's great, uh, everything you're saying. But what's all this got to do with Global Mission? What's the link? Why this sermon? Why this topic on Global Mission Week? Well, an aptat Christian is a useful Christian in God's kingdom. Because mission, I can't do it. That lady I told you about who gave her life to Christ in our first year in Japan, it wasn't me, it was God. I was acting, sure, but God was doing the work. I can't make anyone's heart of stone into a heart of flesh that worships God. Only God can do that. I can act, sure, in total dependence on him, trusting in his promises and thanking him when I see a friend come to faith. We need the mission field to be full of apt Christians. Uh, In one of our first years in Japan, a retired missionary came and uh, talked to us at one of our team meetings. And the only thing that I remember from what he shared that morning, but it's stuck with me ever since, is he said to us, when you wake up in the morning, pray to God that he would lead you to that person that he is already at working. And then go about your day expecting God to answer that prayer. That is living on mission, living as an aptat Christian. We need your churches to be full of APTAP Christians. We need the mission field to be full of APTAC Christians. Now I or any other mission agency, we're not in your church week on week. We can't make APTAC Christians in your churches. We might be invited to speak once, two, three times a year that a missionary person comes and shares at your church. But if you're in kids' ministry and youth, young adults, if you're the associate pastor or, Lord willing, one day the lead pastor in your church, the, the, the task of making APTAC Christians in full dependence on God, obviously, it, it's in that local church week in, week out grind of ministry in the local church. Now, I believe that as mission agencies there are things we can do to help the church in this. Happy to chat over morning tea or lunch or won't share any ideas now. But I pray that in God's grace, your church will be full of Aptat Christians. That your youth group will be full of Aptat youth. That your kids' church will be full of Aptat kids. Because a church like that will be a church on mission in the local suburbs. And some of them will lift their eyes and see the need in countries like Japan. And you will rejoice as they go and live their apt Christian life amongst the people of Japan. I mentioned we lived there for four years. I think it was in our third year, a family visited church one day. Uh, It was a, he was, well, they were a wonderful Christian family. He was in campus ministry, uh, one of the leaders in campus ministry uh, in another city. We lived in a very rural part of Japan. There was no university there. Uh, But he was, uh, it was summer holidays and he was visiting his parents because he had grown up in this town. And uh, we um, uh, chatted with him and his story was he, so he'd lived for 18 years in where we lived in this this little town called Nanao. And when he was finished high school, uh, he went to university and no university in town. So he went to the city that was nearby and went to university there. And while he was there, he went on exchange to the States. And that's where he heard about Jesus and gave his life to Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not okay that in this country that I called home for four years and that I love, that someone had to leave that country and go somewhere else in order to hear about Jesus. That's why we need to be sending APTAT Christians to places like Japan so they can hear of this awesome God whose understanding has no limit, who knows every star by name, and so that they can worship him as well. You see, we've talked about APTAT today, an APTAT Christian, very much focused on ministry, but really you can apply it to every aspect of your life. So I pray that in God's grace, your church becomes full of Aptat Christians. Your youth group becomes full of Aptat youth. Your kids' church becomes full of Aptat children. Because Aptat Christians are useful Christians in God's kingdom, both here in Melbourne, in Australia, and to the ends of the earth. Amen.